episode 113 of Board Games with Barry and Hex is all about our Games of the Month for July 2023. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I discuss the handful of games we've played this month. Even though there's just a few to pick from, we'll still have games to call, games to get back to the table, and a selection for Game of the Month. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about what we played in July 2023. We've made it to the end of July, and we haven't done Christmas. Christmas in July is what you went with. No, and we haven't played that many games this month either. We did a lot of traveling. We did a lot of travel. We were gone a lot of weekends, and I thought, oh, maybe we're going to play a lot of games on all these. It's not. That's not what happened. It's been uh, busier than I expected. I was imagining, like... A real chillaxing sort of time. We've had oh. a different kind of fun. We've had a more active fun, which is great. Yeah. But I think that the the preparing for all the packing and traveling is what I'm not used to. Right. And we did right. take games mm, almost everywhere we went. And we're not done traveling yet. We're actually recording this a little bit early because yeah. we're doing some traveling before Gen Con. After Gen Con, no traveling. We're just going to be home. No. We're going to be with all the games. I think that the August game of the month. I mean, I imagine it, it will be, be wealthy with games. We're going to buy games. We're going to play those games. We're going to play games we already own. We're going to play games gonna at Gen Con. I mean, presumably. I hope so. Uh, they said this year, because people always say, oh, Gen Con's not really a game playing convention. And I think it's only not because it'd be a bit expensive to go and only play games. If that's what you want to do, right. there are smaller conventions that are more like just a library you visit with a thousand to 2000 other people. There is going to be more open gaming. And I think a little more organization around open gaming okay. areas there, but there's lots of, you know, Indianapolis is a pretty spacious place that Gen Con takes over entirely. It's not a big city. It's just, there's nothing else really going on. So right. every table is a gaming and open gaming space. Like, it because it so thoroughly takes over the city you know it's fine anyways anyways that's not what we're here to talk about we have more than enough gen con episodes we're here to talk about what we played in, in july. july we played 19 different games Ooh. 23 plays now seven of those were on bga so those were just me i think all the others we played together i don't know that i played any of our games solo this month the games that were played were wavelength challengers decorum Ice, In the Year of the Dragon, Harry Potter House Cup Competition, Taj Mahal, Gold West, Evergreen, Astra, Bosque, Floating Floors, My City, Star Wars The Deck Building Game, Boop, Shifting Stones, Silver and Gold, Sushi Go Party, and Chicken. All right. The game we played the most was Wavelength. That was three times. And Decorum, that was twice. We played both those with Adam. So that's why we were visiting Adam. Yeah. We played some of the more party games. We hadn't played Decorum at a higher play count yet. It was great. Uh, so now we can say even more confidently, top to bottom, that game is great. Pretty easy to play with three games of Wavelength. The games that were added to the collection were Chicken, Castles of Burgundy Special Edition, God's Forge Second Edition and Expansions, Floating Floors, Ice, Star Realms, and Adventures of Robin Hood. Before this month and leading up to Gen Con, we at one point thought we were going to play all of our games for Gen Con. Things happened and it's fine. We still played a lot of games, but... Now that we were moving away from that goal, I was trying to not play anything newly acquired. And then we either. took the handcuffs off in July. We just played the things that we were going to play. We have not. No, we haven't played everything. Our uh, shelf of opportunity is not bare, 
but it has been reduced a lot. And we used to, when something came in, somewhat immediately play it and never really have anything on our shelf opportunity. And I mean, it's going to take a while now going to Gen Con, but I'm looking forward to that being true again. What games were sold? None, but the calling annex is growing. And I think that post Gen Con, there's going, that's actually going to be the reckoning. We're going to have to break the game of the month in August down into two episodes, just so we can have one episode on the call. We have done a separate episode about culling before, and we'll see if it happens again. I think it was something like perfectly fine games that I'm getting rid of or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and that would be the case again, because it's getting to the point where there's probably, oh, man, I wonder how many games I've played. I don't have my board game stats app up. I imagine maybe 700 today in my one on one with my manager. She asked something about like what we were doing or whatever. And I said we were going to Gen Con and she asked like, what's your favorite board game? And I was like, ah, <laughs> I will tell you the last board game I played. I'm like, I don't know that I do favorites. And I've played more, however many you're imagining, I've played more than that, probably. Um, so anyways, the next episode, and I don't know if they'll actually be sold yet either. It might still be just a very big culling annex. Where and with who did we play games? Is it with whom? Mm. No, two or four whom, right? Anyways, we visited Adam, played games there. We played the coffee house like always. I played online. It's not listed in the games that were played because of the way Board Game Arena works, but I've been playing The Crew and I've been playing My City. There's some other open games on there right now, but those are both campaign games I've been playing for a while on Board Game Arena, and it's nice. Yeah. Every once in a while I panic because I realize that I've forgotten like, oh, it's my turn in multiple BGA games when I just get caught up in other things and have to hurry up and make my moves. But it's nice. It's nice on those campaign games when you all kind of sync up and play through a lot really fast and then you kind of drift further apart again and are just playing a move here and there. Oh, we played the most on Saturday by far. There was a little bit of playing every other day, but Saturday was over half of the graph. And it was a pretty... Even split between Coffee House being out and playing things on Board Game Arena. So that is everything for the review. Now we're ready to talk about our different picks of the month. Starting right. with Back to the Table. Oh, for me, Back to the Table is easy. I would like to bring the quorum back to the table. Okay. Is that to continue? Because we played four player stuff. Is that both just continue playing through at different play counts or... We could also look because I think there's more story for the two players online, which we haven't investigated. Oh, that's true. Right. Because when we got it, and then it wasn't out yet. The four player was super fun. And I, I also think like I was a little disappointed in the two player version. Each player card has a story. So you'll get like a character like you'll be Clive and Clive will be hip to the oh, job yes. and, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. stuff. In the four player, there was only kind of a, a, a team over a team story, overall story, which yes. was which was fine. But I was anticipating the whole thing was going to be. I was going to get to be in a character. And I think that's actually a pretty fun part of that game. So if you have decorum and you've only played the three and four player, playing the two player and then, you know, yeah, you get a little more it up text. and playing into the character can, can make it a fun playthrough if that's your thing. Yeah. And in the four player, the other way that it's different is you are still sharing information. Well, in two players, you just say the thing out loud. So right. I think I don't, I can't speak for you. I was just assuming we'd all share one with the group, one thing we needed with the group. But it works differently. They give you these little cards and you share one of your conditions 
with one other person. And then making the strategic decision on who needs the information based on what has been played is a very fun aspect. Of right. Based on what's been played, based on like, yeah, how have they been interacting with the room? Have you kind of both been fighting over like they keep painting this room red and I like I can't. Yeah, it's, I, like, it's never I'm giving going this to, to you because you keep putting the lamp in a basement like a jerk. Figuring out how do you balance that between everyone and then together do you give all your information to one person who's sort of architecting a little they don't get extra turns or anything they still right. get their one turn sometimes there's someone who's just conditions were met really easily right and then you give them information because they know how to uphold those and without sharing them and now they can put other things in place for other people that they know aren't going to violate their conditions. so yeah was not expecting that kind of it's not really a twist. I We just weren't thinking about the fact that we're sharing it with a certain person, just the only other person. Yeah, and so I that think did make it more interesting coming back through it at a higher play count. The gameplay is better at a higher play count. I, I do miss the extra stories. I don't by default think the gameplay is better at a higher play count, but I think that is how they did it does make it work better at a higher play count. I don't think it would have been quite as good, really, oh, at a high play count sharing? if it I was agree. open sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my game that I'd like to play more to bring back to the table, you didn't even play. It was Star Wars deck building. I definitely did not play. Oh, you play. I, I was right there when you played you it. You were right there. We went up to visit Adam. You had to do some work, something. So we went to a coffee house there like we do. And Adam and I played Star Wars deck building. He won by bunches. And then you were kind of like, of course he won. And I didn't, I didn't love that. I didn't feel necessarily oh, supported or encouraged. I don't remember having said that. That seems like part of the problem, if anything. Uh -huh. But you are playing as what's it called? The Rebels and the Alliance? Empire. Oh. Is that the, right? The I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. The point yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's the Rebels as... and the Empire. It's the Rebel Alliance. I've I've made oh, okay. what I've done is I've made Star Wars the fans <laughs> mad by suggesting that the Rebels okay. and the Alliance you're, were not alive. You're newly getting into the fandom. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you're playing as these two different sides, and you have a market. It's like a I mean, imagine Dominion, and that's close enough. Um there's a line, there's a market of cards in between you that just comes out one card at a time. But each one of you, those cards are marked with one of your sides. Oh, right. So the other person can't just take it. Some of the cards, they can attack right there in the row and make them go away. So oh, you don't get to take so it. So there's a monster mechanic, but the monster is not a monster for everyone, et cetera. However you want to think about it works. And there's also things that are neutral. So people who are more like uh, mercenaries or stuff like that. Is Han Solo neutral? No, oh. they can go to either side. And there's also this concept of bases and you're trying to destroy the other person's base. There are more rules in the game, but it was really interesting to play. After playing it, we were both, we didn't look through the deck first. So as we're playing through it, it's a complete surprise as to how things are balanced throughout the deck, how much something shows up or doesn't. And knowing that now, it does feel like the more you would play it, it would hold up to that replay. Adam happened to get some of his strong characters early on. And my stronger characters, as we looked at when it was done, were deeper in the deck. So then we were both talking about like, okay, well, if that's your strong characters come out first, what is it that I'm doing to counteract that as a two player right. game? And we're assuming that it's well balanced. What are the strategies then if you don't have these big power players and maybe keeping a small deck? Like, what are you meant to be doing instead to try to hedge your time to try to still be getting damage on the other person's base? Right. And we were playing with the basic rules. And I think that it might have been that game that told us like, once we were done, it's like, you only sort of played it. Those were the basic rules, which is fine. Interested to play that one, get into the more advanced rules, get into some of the variants that are in there. And 
get a better handle on the mix of cards, kind of the ratios and what the strategy should be. Yeah. I don't have a lot to add, but you no, guys seem to be having a great time. We did. Ha- we had a very nice time. I was doing, you know, I like my job, so I'm not going to say I was doing boring work. No, I was doing work. You had coffee that I think that you approved of. It was good so coffee. What, was good what coffee. is there to complain about? Moving on to collection, what game might not stay for you? Oh, we can take that stupid chicken game. Oh, you are it. so mad about chicken. Oh. I think it's fine. Now, I also, this is something I want to take up with Adam. I think that the variant that I proposed that we played once, I, no, I'm not going to say against your will, but obviously it was against your will. And you did, I would call it something. It. I Yes, I did just now say it. Uh, I would call it something like Revenge of the Fox or the Fox Strikes Back, something like that. That sounds very Star Warsy. Didn't mean it. Moving on. In general, Chicken is a very simple dice game where you're just pushing your luck. You just, it's honestly reminds me sort of of zombie dice. It has a zombie dice kind of it's very and you don't have to actually because they give you a score track zombie dice if you had to routinely roll more than three die yeah you roll more that's well you roll more in zombie dice don't you no you only ever roll three why are there so many in there well because you roll three at a time but then you keep you keep the oh, certain you're just results. keeping the ones that are good okay yeah. okay Anyways, the similarities are, are still there yeah i think that it is similar to that you're rolling these dice you're trying to get chickens you're not trying to get a lot of foxes if you get eggs you add more dice to the pile It's fine. We played with an expansion which has a dog that like protects the chickens from the foxes. And then there's also a pink dye that had a baby chick on it. So it would count as a chicken when it came to count chickens. Uh, But it would also count as an egg if it wasn't time to count chickens. And it's just first of 25 wins. End of story. Well, I was so good at rolling foxes. And if you're really good at rolling foxes, this would be true as well in zombie dice. In that you have a brains or footsteps or gunshots i think yeah bangs and if you were to just do all of the if you were just to roll bangs constantly i mean the same thing would happen there i was trying to bring a little more depth to it because i just rolled off oxes and my turn was over and then i lost and i proposed that the foxes if you rolled foxes you could either use them to move your opponent back move an opponent back or you could use chickens to move forward if you busted with foxes I still said you could move the person back. And maybe if you bust with foxes, I don't I don't know. Don't have the rules perfect. But I felt like it gave a strategic decision to the dice rolls. You did not feel this way. Oh, I don't know that I agree that I don't think your version was better than the version of the game. Well, you admitted that under pressure. Yes. Well, I, I think I, I, I admit it not under pressure right now. Now, yeah. And I think the here's the thing about that game. There's so many push your luck games that are just better than it. And it didn't even fit in its container. It comes in a very small container. It comes in a container that looks just like zombie dice. I don't know why I'm only now making this, but I've gotten rid of zombie dice. Kind of for the reasons that you're saying to get rid of chicken. Like, what are we really doing here? But you wanted me to keep zombie dice. Well, zombie dice is fun. Okay, but it is true that they came with more components that don't fit in the box, but those components are just wooden decorations to go on the table while you play chicken. What a stupid idea. The, They're as the big thing. as the game. That's the part that's kind of unfortunate. This shouldn't matter because I should be objective and, and, okay. and pulled back. But I like zombie dice because zombie dice isn't pretending to be some cool, awesome game. Is chicken pretending to be cool and awesome? Look at all that, that jazz that came with it. And it that's came with a little key cloth. Keymaster Games really likes producing games. Yeah, well, I think that like they should it. put it in a box that it fits in and maybe make a little bit better of a balanced game. I would appreciate just a regular square box. Or a cylinder 
that everything fits in. No, 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 no more cylinders. Junk Orbit is now going to come in a regular box. It's cheap. I'm going to buy it. And no one else seems that interested in it based on the thumbs rating. So is there any game that has made you upset? Not like that. But we actually did a review of this game. And I forgot. That's how busy July has been. I completely forgot that we did a review of Bosk because I think we recorded it like the day that we played it or very shortly thereafter. So I was going over the list and thinking what might not stay. And I was like, I think I've already talked about this. I think maybe in the Bosk. Yeah, you didn't like Bosk. I like Bosk. I did not like it. But you felt like it wasn't as good as Evergreen, for example. Kind of what you're saying, like they're trying to make it this whole big game. I think it could come in a very small box and be a smaller thing and feel more appropriate. Yeah, I didn't like it as much as other similar thematic games. Uh, so I won't talk more about Bosk. Just go back a few. It's quite a few episodes now. We've been doing a lot lately to hear our full thoughts on Bosk. That brings us already to Game of the Month. Game of the Month. Do you think we have the same Game of the Month? I, I Absolutely. Okay. You want to say it on three? Yes. No, wait, wait, we'll say it. Count to three and then say it. So one, two, three, say it. Okay. Ready? One, one two, two, three, ice. ice. It is yeah, the it's same. It's very good. We just played it. This was a Kickstarter game. I don't know if it's getting a regular retail distribution. I, ha- I'm ju- I just have no idea. I don't know how... Well, one, it was an expensive game, but I don't know how it was yeah. so cheap, given the production quality of the game. And it wasn't actually cheap. It's right. not the same as cheap. It but was if you compare expensive. it to other games at the same price... This is true. It was uh, 99 pounds, I think. I don't think it was euros. I think it was pounds. Eh, who knows? It's one of those 130 European... bucks currencies 130 140 depending on what the exchange rate was was. further back so yeah at the time but in any case i don't they had to do i don't know if the word is had they did another campaign that i think was meant to support the sales of this one because i imagine that the production of this and the shipping of it became more expensive more of a deal than they were ready for i think it was 20 dollars for it to be shipped which is reasonable it's Catan 3d quality would you say but it's not well there aren't 3d figures like that in it so let's talk a little bit about what ice is it is a six or seven layer total board that fits together as four segments with magnets on the edges like a reverse pyramid shape yeah so at the at the very edges it's the tallest and then as you move in towards the center of these four boards that come together to make like one square It's going down a layer of cardboard, down a layer of cardboard, at the edges, down and down and down. So when you set up the game, you put uh, hexagon tiles at the very bottom. Then you put another layer. Then you put another layer. Then you put another layer. And then the snow on top. And then snow on top. I think so. It's a lot of layers. So when you start the game, you are on top of these many layers. And when you kind of push them, they they fit in there nicely, which is to say they're not so tight that you can't kind of get them out. Another thematic effect with that is that it does feel a little crackly, a little shifting over everything, this ice. So as you play, you're you're moving these tiles off. You're removing these tiles. You're seeing the tiles below and it goes deeper and deeper down into this multi-layered board that you have set up. And as you dig, you find artifacts. You ship yes. those artifacts back to the city to score points. Yes. There is a story about what you're doing. The artwork is delightful. I didn't get deep into the story. There were shared goals. There were individual goals. Those goals had things from the tiles on them. You, you don't know exactly what's going to be on the tile when you take it. You know kind of what might be on it. 
but you don't know exactly the details of what's on it. So like, you'll know it's a red tile, but you won't know how many of the two different, I can't remember what they call them. There's one that's lines, one that's dots, but thematically they give it some name. And a lot of the goal cards that you're trying to achieve describe some combination and how many points it's going to get you. I feel like I didn't figure out how to play it until we were halfway done, which is, I think, always fun for me in a game. Because a lot of times, like, I feel like it's, it speaks to the challenge of the mechanic. It fit really well with what you're doing, fits well with the way that game board is set up. So, for example, as you're digging down, one of the things we've, I marked it as an invalid play. We, we didn't give ourselves any money. We weren't giving ourselves money when we should have, because when you send tiles to the city, you should be getting money. So we were playing like broke in the game. There are some abilities that turn up that allow you to pay money. The money is the same as the victory points. That's right. So we also had a points. lower score than probably we should have because we didn't, we weren't getting that money. I doubt we would have spent all of it in the course of the game. And even if we did, it would have been to the benefit of more scoring. And also in a two player game, you're allowed a little bit more movement than what we were giving ourselves because in a one, in a higher play count game, it's more restricted how much you can move. So it's possible that it wouldn't have taken me as long to get going if I had played by the more forgiving rules. And you weren't like, even the rules that we shared and played from, it wasn't like you did a horrible job. No, I just was always behind you, which is frustrating. I like that. I don't know. I, I don't think that that's true. I think you got off to a fast start, but then the geometry of the board is if you dig straight down, yeah. the way that you're allowed to recover things from the ice, and it makes physical spatial sense. When you dig straight down, you can go straight down to the bottom, but you kind of, you know, you take out five tiles, three tiles, one tile. You're not allowed to just slot out tiles from underneath other tiles unless there's only one tile on top of it. And that tile doesn't have any on top of it. That tile doesn't have any on top of it. So that means you can't be a couple layers down and just be pulling things out. Which randomly. Honestly, if you've ever had to take a stump out of the ground, you realize. Well, a stump. That's ice. Well, but, you know, you still have to you, you can't just dig straight down below the stump. You've got to dig out. And it's, it was, you know, it's really accurate. You're looking at me like, why would you talk about dirt when we're talking about ice? But I feel like it plays. That's, yeah. That I feel like if you're I listening made. and you've taken out a stump, you know, it's the same. Okay. But they, they may not have played ice. Well, I mean. Seems unlikely. I don't know really how many of these copies of this game are out there. And like I said, I don't even know if it's getting regular distribution, but we both really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think if it gets regular distribution, it's likely going to cost more than what we paid for it. And it's, I, I think it's worth it if you have the means. The thing is, though, I've seen the Everdell Complete Collection, the Castles of Mad King Collection on websites discounted. Oh. And I don't think that that's necessarily discounted below what those things said, the MSRP and the value you're going to get. A lot of times when you're on a Kickstarter, it'll be like, it's this value, but you're getting it for this amount of money. They might just be discounting it back down to the Kickstarter price anyway, right. which is sort of like, you just don't know how many copies of something they're going to make to guarantee that but it might be the case that some of these bigger online game retailers or just the company themselves perhaps sells more copies at the kickstarter price anyway there's magnets that hold the board sections together it's very well done it is something that when i saw the concept of it and i don't know i don't know if, what kind of prototype they had built ahead of time and with right. what when I saw the concept of it, I was just like, oh, that looks awesome. And it absolutely delivered on that. It wasn't just a gimmick. It was actually a game. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that was really impressive. I bought it because it definitely looked like a gimmick. 
and I was hoping it would be a game. And it definitely is. I think that you may be able to play it. If you can, I'll put it in the episode description. You might be able to play it on like Tabletop Simulator. Okay. And that would be a way that you could pretty easily have these, you know, layer tiles and oh, interact with it. Now, that's a good recommendation if you want to try to play it and it's a good game. That would be so fiddly. I don't know. And to play know, on TTS. You can, I don't know if it was programmed or not. Oh, but like I if want, it's scripted, then maybe it's better. Yes. I want to think that that was an option. It's a little tough having a game of the month that you're trying to recommend that might be very hard to actually play. Like it might be hard to come across a copy yeah, of it. We, we didn't even give two options this month. No, we both picked the same thing. But I think if you do come across a copy of it, definitely look up a play of it. I don't think that as much as I like the game and the gameplay, conceptually, it's not like something crazy new and exciting. Like the idea that right. I am trying to get these resources to fulfill these contracts. But the way that you have to move in that physical space and that you're not only talking about 2D space, but you're talking about 3D space yeah. is interesting. The other thing that we didn't do, we don't think that it mattered too much. When a individual tile only has one connection anymore, oh, it, it falls in and it collapses. And I think that's another nice thing that just works for the gameplay, but then also sticks with the like physical reality of the board. Well, and there's one other aspect of the game that we did not get to explore, yeah. which is likely owing to three things. One, we didn't have money. Two, we didn't take our extra movements. And three, as is typical for us, we oh. left each other's areas alone. We didn't yes. play like interactively. Yeah. And as a result, we didn't get to the bottom layer. And according to the rule book, if you get to the bottom layer, the piece you uncover will introduce a new rule for your next playthrough. And I think yes. that's a super fun mechanic that we are looking forward to finding out about the next time we play. Right. It's not straight up a campaign, but it, it's interesting to speculate what those future plays might be We didn't look at like. them. I wanted to, but we didn't. No, I think it'll be more fun to, dis to discover them individually. The top layer of like snow kind of over the ice, all of those tiles, it's the most of those tiles. Right. All of those tiles have some special ability on them. So when you uncover those, you get to take it into your hand and right. then get to play that. There's only one tile where you could know what's on the back of it. The rest of them aren't unique. Right. So you're kind of guessing at what might be there. They made a game. Yeah. We didn't even really talk about the fact that you have an explorer and that there are archaeologists and camps. We didn't talk about that snow lion thing. I don't remember what they call oh, it. I, I did think the snow lion mechanic was. I think it's better in a higher play. Count probably game. not great for two players. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a cooperative mode. So I'd really like to try the cooperative mode next time you play. I think that was also while you are digging down and uncovering, we realized that if we had been closer together, it would have been faster to get down to the bottom. Correct. There'd be a lot to talk about where you're leaving your archaeologist and how does that set up the next person for what they're able to do and explore. All of the accolades that we're giving it, even the production of the game itself and how this board works, it's a fair amount of setup and it's a fair amount to break it all back down and get it all back in the box. It comes in a pretty big box. It's not as tall as the special edition of Mad King Ludwig, if you've seen that one, but it's roughly that kind of size. It's a little shorter than that, but it's, it's around that size. And that's just the four boards stacked together is really like stacking 24 boards or yeah. something like that. They come with little foam no, it's corners to help keep them from being it's bendy an and weird. It's an efficient box. Yeah, it's as efficient as it can be. It would kind of be nice if you could have two and two and it came in a rectangle and right. it was flatter. Yeah. But then it also, you know, yeah, I then mean, it would have been longer as well. So 
I think this is uh, at this at this point in the podcast. Typically, we talk about what we're looking forward to for next month, and you just did a ginormous set of episodes about all the things available at Gen Con. Is that going to be featured in what you're looking forward to? Gen Con, Wait, or specifically one of the games by one of the oh, publishers. One of the games. I already mentioned Junk Orbit having a second edition that comes in a regular box. There's Princess of Florence also having a second edition. It comes in a more colorful box. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that this year that I sort of already have or sort of already know about. There isn't a ton for me that's brand new. The one that I said like, oh, well, that's just going to be must have was that Good Omens. Okay. Which was a book, is also now a show on Amazon Prime. They're making some little collection of games that's like cooperative and it's card and dice. And there's like seven different games in a box for 20 some dollars. Oh, and I'm like, I don't know that it's going to be good, but I do really want it. I apparently there's season two starting soon. I didn't even know there's going to be a season two. So, right. Uh, that's neat. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I'll say I'm looking forward to just Gen Con in general. I did yeah. not. I did you not weren't on the preview I, list episodes. I, no, you're, you're just going in. I'm going in and the, you know, I'm going to let the demo tales guide me. Thank you so much for listening to episode 113. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. We have an Instagram, an X, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Our next episode will be the first of a mini-series where we're trying to count down to Gen Con by talking about how to prepare for a convention. We'll be kicking it off with goals and planning. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 112 more episodes headed your way, the next of which, and the next few, are our Gen Con 2023 Board Game Geek preview list. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Mm-hmm.